I'm going to start off uh, by reading from John 1. This is a passage about Jesus, whose birth we're celebrating right now. The Word was first. The Word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God, and readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. This life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness could not put it out. There once was a man, his name John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light, he was there to show the way to the light. This life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world, and the world was there through him, and yet the world did not even notice. He came to his own people, but they did not want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed, and he would do what he said, he made them to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. They are the God-begotten, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw his glory with our own eyes the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out from start to finish. John pointed about and called, This is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then there was this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding. All this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the heart, the very heart of the Father, He has made Him as plain as day. So Jesus came into the world, and He came and He showed us both the reason for living, and then He gave us a blueprint on how to live. Uh, and I want to cover those two things today. And then I'll briefly touch on how uh, he has affected the entire course of human history. Um, and first off, just a couple of words on Jesus. I've been reading uh, Mark and Luke this year, and uh, very slowly. And it, it's been hard at times. You know, you read the Bible, and every time you read it, you get something different out of it. At times, you find comfort. At other times, frustration. Uh, sometimes you get angry, um, and it has been kind of a frustrating um, trip through the Gospels this time for me, um, and I think a, a lot of it is, well, there's two reasons for that. One is um, I'm looking uh, to God to validate my lifestyle, um, and he's not doing it. Um, I live a very spoiled existence um, in the richest nation that's ever lived, um, and I want to find some validation, some comfort for myself in that. Uh, and I'm not finding it. And so that, you know, that can make you angry at God. Uh, well, you put me here, you know. Um, and then also, I think, um, having grown up in this rich nation, um, our prosperity has kind of skewed the way we look at things. Um, we like things very soft. Uh, we, like, we don't like uh, harsh messengers. Um, and at times, Jesus was very harsh uh, in his words. Um, he said things that were confusing, uh, 
uh, then and still are today. Uh, he said things that to our 21st century American eyes appear very insensitive. Wow, how can you say that? Think about this person's feeling. Um, and yet we find every time we come to Christ, he is fact. And fact does not adjust to us. We are called to adjust to fact. Um, an example of this from my own life, every time I go out to eat and the waitress brings a plate and she says, don't touch this, it's hot. I touch it every time, right? Because I want to see, is your definition of hot the same as mine? Um, and it hurts, right? The fact is, that plate is hot. If I ignore that and try and adjust that to me, I get burned. Uh, and we find the same with Christ. And yet we want to do that. We want to adjust his facts to our facts. Um, and that's not going to happen. Um, and as a part of that, I'm sorry, guys, I was sick last week. I feel like you guys are like at SeaWorld and you're in the splash zone. <laughs> um, and so I would just encourage you guys, uh, I would really encourage all of us, to take this time between Christmas and Easter and read the Gospels. And let the fact, um, you know, I've heard it said, you know, when the light hits you, you can try and adjust the light, or you can adjust to the light. Um, let's take this period between Christmas and Easter as a calibration. Let's adjust to the light together. Um, and let's have conversations about it, about our frustrations and our anger. Um, and I, I tell Jesus directly, like, you're making me so mad this morning. Um, have some, and that, But that's what he wants. He wants us to come to him. Um, and flush it out, work it out. Um, and ideally, he set everything up so that we would work it out together. I'm not going to understand everything about Jesus by myself. So that's why he calls us to live in communities with each other, where together we hash it out. Together we rub each other raw. We make each other angry. We work that out. Uh, but we cannot understand Christ apart from community. It will not happen. Um, I want to start off. Jesus gave us the reason for existence, the reason for life. Uh, a, a man came to him and said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of all? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here we have the very essence of life boiled down into a few words. First, to love God with everything you have, uh, with your heart, with your passion, and with your intellect. And as we all know, we cannot hide our thoughts from God. And so he commands obedience even in our mind. Um, and once that has been firmly established, now we turn to loving our neighbor as ourself. Um, and Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And he even firmly connected love for God with love for man. You think about in the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You think about the parable where there was um, a man who owed a great debt and a debt he could never pay. And he went before the king, he, he begged for mercy, and the king said, your debt is forgiven. Go and live a free life. And that man, he turned around to somebody who owed him a very small pittance, um, 
very small amount of money. And he said, I demand you pay me right now. And he had the man beaten because uh, he couldn't pay him. Well, when the king found out about this, he, he took that original man and he said, how could you do this? After I have forgave you so much, you turn around and you demand payment from this guy who owed you. He said, now you're, you're going back to prison. And then Jesus summed this up. He said, if the amount that you love and forgive others, that's how my father will treat you. So Jesus directly connected love for God to love for man. There's no way around that. Um, and so that's our reason for living. And you think about it. God is community. He lives in perpetual community, timeless community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was out of the great love that they had for each other that this world was born, that he gave us free wills because he wants voluntary lovers of himself. And that's what we are today, an association of voluntary lovers of Christ who meet together for strength and encouragement. So this great love story has been going on throughout time, and it has entered into our planet in the, the life, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And everything Jesus did is an invitation. Join this love story. Join this, this great love that has always existed and will always exist. And that's it. It's that simple. Join the love story that's been going on between Father, Son, and Spirit. And it's an invitation. And... You know, you think about all the great arguments, once saved, always saved. Um, how do I know if I'm saved? It's very simple. Are you loving God by loving other people and accepting Jesus' sacrificial death for your sins and then turning around and extending that forgiveness to your neighbors, to your boss? That's a hard one. Your coworkers, um, maybe the, your sister-in-law, um, somebody that's in your life, maybe your actual neighbor is very difficult to love. Does he remind you every time you have the sprinkler on that we're under a, a drought warning? Um, life can be kind of sticky. People are hard to love, um, and yet we have to. So the great invitation from Christ is to love. Um, and I want to go to the next thing he said. He kind of expanded on this. He gave us a blueprint for living. Now that we have a reason for living, he gave us a blueprint for living. Uh, and it's called the Beatitudes. Uh, Steve preached on this earlier this year. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read the Beatitudes. I'm going to read each Beatitude three times. Uh, first, I'll read it in the NIV. And then I'm going to read it in the J.B. Phillips version. Um, and then in the message. And I think by reading each one three times, it kind of gives us a full picture of uh, what Jesus was saying. And really, if you look at this picture, you know, I chose this picture. But what I'm about to read, if you were to put it into a picture, it would be this. All of life, all of humanity, as, say, the snow and the branches, it all looks the same. This is how we think. Um, and then along came this beautiful man who stood out from everything else. And he said, no, there's a different way. I want you to live like this. And here's what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's J.B. Phillips. Happy are those who realize their spiritual poverty. They have already entered the kingdom of reality. Kingdom of reality. 
You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his role. And I just want to challenge you guys. Um, uh, earlier this year, I started my own business with the help of many other people. Um, and I am in over my head every day. And this, this verse has become real to me because I've put myself in a place where I don't have enough. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I'm not tech, I work in a very tech, technology-heavy uh, industry. Um, I, I'm not tech-savvy. Um, I don't have, in and of myself, I don't have what it takes to do what I'm doing. So I'm in over my head. I'm at the end of my rope. Um, and every day, you know, I just think, God, what am I doing? Why, why did I get myself into this? Um, but that's where I meet him. And through that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think the lottery was up like $500 million, something like that. And I was thinking, I was debating, should I buy a ticket? You know, I'm like, I could buy a ticket, and let's say if I won. Um, then I could just pay off, you know, our investors, and I could just go live in the mountains or do whatever. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, no, I can't do it. Like, I'm not going to buy a ticket because all of this is so valuable. This daily pain, this daily frustration, this daily feeling of inadequacy, it's producing something in me that I desperately need. Um, and, you know, it's already hard enough. Like, in a sense, do we need God? I mean, where we have anything you want, you know? If you really like gummy bears, you could go out and you could buy a million gummy bears. I mean, you probably have enough money to buy that many gummy bears. Whatever it is, think of whatever it is you want. You could buy, like, an unbelievable amount of it, you know? Uh, any comfort you want, you could buy it. Um, so in a sense, we could live without God. Um, we have enough prosperity. We have enough resources. Uh, we have enough friends and family around us helping us. We could do it on our own. Um, and so really, the challenge for us, I think, as Americans specifically, is we need to engineer situations where we're in over our heads, to where we, do not, we cannot adequately do it. And you think about all the great heroes of the faith, you know, that we read about, uh, the people that started orphanages, um, various missions. They were all in over their head. And they gave God what little they had. He took it, he multiplied it. And he made things like the Salvation Army, Compassion International, um, and all the various other aid organizations that have been created throughout the last 2,000 years. Um, they were all created by people who were in over their heads. And so I just want to challenge you guys. Are you in over your heads? And if not, how could you create a situation where you're in over your heads? Uh, next, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are they who, sh- who bear their share of the world's pain. In the long run, they will know more happiness than those who avoid it. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. So this morning, you know, it would have been nice to start the sermon without a reminder of what happened in Connecticut this week. Um, but we, we choose not to run away from pain. We're going to embrace our pain. And in that, in that accepting of reality, life is pain. I think they said that in Princess Bride. Um, <laughs> life is pain. That is reality. Reality. <laughs> 
That is the reality. And we, we can choose to accept it or we can choose to mask that, to um, uh, satiate it. We all have our little things. You know, my daughters, two daughters have uh, their blankets and they call them Bowie. And we cannot lose Bowie um, because they will not sleep without it, you know. And yet, in a sense, each one of us has our own safety blanket. The thing that we go to when, when we encounter pain, um, we, typically we go to it again and again and again. Uh, but Christ says, no, embrace your pain. When you feel pain, don't mask it. Feel it. I will meet you there in your pain. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are those who accept life and their own limitations. They will find more in life than anyone. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are those who long to be truly good. They will realize their ambition. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He has food and drink and the best meal you will ever eat. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And again, how do we hunger and thirst in the land of too much? It's very difficult. But we find, you know, Jesus said, ask in my name, whatever you will, and I will give it to you. This is what he's talking about. When you align yourself with me, when you align your reality with my reality, I will give you whatever you want. Because my reality is that I want you to be a better person. I want you to be good, beautiful, and true, just like me. And, you know, we're all made in the image of God. Uh, even that young man that shot those kids in Connecticut, he was created in the image of God. He, God has freedom. God can do whatever he wants. That young man, he created his own kingdom, a kingdom of pain and suffering. He had that freedom. He was given that freedom by God. And God says, use your freedom to build not your kingdom, but my kingdom. And throughout history, so many men and women have answered that call. And if you look at the course of human history, human history is kind of muddling along like this. And then after the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, history just went on a trajectory like this, where the poor suddenly had value. Uh, lepers were taken care of. The untouchables were touched by people who loved Christ. Uh, the poor were educated and lifted out of their poverty. Healthcare, you know, it was every... Uh, back in the Middle Ages, with every church, there was a hospital attached to it, a hospice, where they took care of the sick and the helpless. And through that, today, still all our great hospitals bear Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic. There are, the, the followers of Christ have um, initiated a revolution in healthcare in human history. Because those people hungered and thirsted for righteousness, and they were filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are those who are ready to make allowances and to forgive. They will know the love of God. That echoes the words of Christ. You are blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, careful, you find yourselves cared for. And then Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Happy are those who are real in their thoughts and feelings. In the end, they will see the ultimate reality, God. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Happy are those who help others to live together, for they will be known for doing God's work. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. That's very difficult. It's hard, it almost feels like it's hardwired into us to choose sides, to pick sides. In every conflict, we want to pick a side, whether it's a fight within the family or a fight amongst nations, um, a political fight. Like, this really feels like we're hardwired to pick sides. Jesus, the great fact, never picked sides. People constantly, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, um, the Essenes, the, the guys who lived out in the desert, they all wanted to claim him as their own. And he stubbornly resisted that every time. You know, there was, there was basically three ways to deal with Rome. You know, the, the Jewish people, including Jesus, were under this horrible occupation. And there were the Essenes who said, we're going to withdraw from society. We'll go live out in the desert by ourselves. We are going to withdraw, and we'll live pure lives. So we'll separate ourselves even further from other people. Then there were the Sadducees who said, well, we're just going to get along. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. And so we'll just kind of cooperate with them. They're here. You know, that's kind of very pragmatic. This is the way things are, so let's just join them. Uh, and then there were the the uh, zealots, like uh, Peter, who wanted to resist, fight. Let's overthrow the Romans. Um, each one of those groups of people wanted to claim Jesus as theirs. And he offended, equally offended, all three of those groups. Uh, Jesus will not be co-opted by any movement, uh, by any people group, by any side. The great fact calls men to him. He does not join men in their little kingdom. Um, so that's basically our blueprint for life. And that blueprint, if you go to the next slide, Steve, uh, that blueprint for life, when followed, uh, this, is, this is what it produces. If we follow uh, Christ's teachings, it produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. The opposite of that, what happens when you don't follow Christ, when you establish your own kingdom? Uh, let me find one verse here. And I, I think uh, uh, there's a Grateful Dead song called Broke Down Palace. And that's what I think of whenever I think of our kingdoms. All we can build is a broke down palace that will fade and crumble in time. Um, And this is what uh, the letter to the Galatians had to say about it. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper, 
and impotence to be loved or to love. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Shortly after this, uh, Paul introduces the fruits of the Spirit seen here as the opposite. This is the kingdom of God right here. Uh, What I just read to you was the kingdom of man. Uh, So throughout time, if you go to the next slide, Steve, I just want to talk briefly about how Christ and his teachings have affected our world. Um, Starting off with human value, Christ gave all men and women, children, value. By the way, his interactions with people, who he chose to speak to, who he chose to heal, he gave value to every single human being that's ever lived. He gave value to women and children. Um, you know, we live in an age of more rel- moral relativism, kind of like they did in Judges, where each man does what's right in his own eyes. Um, and when that happens, who suffers? The women and the children suffer. Because in a society where each man does what's right in his own eyes, the people who have the least physical strength are the ones who will suffer because might makes right. I can enforce my views. I can enforce my kingdom through power. So the powerless, the handicapped, you know, you look at uh, the Nazis in Germany. They went after all the crippled and the handicapped. Um, Those are the people that suffer when man is not submitted to God. Uh, But Jesus came into human history. And he gave value to women and children um, through his teachings. And marriage, you know, the Jews had a very unique view of marriage in human history. But even there, that their view of women, they still didn't give enough value to women. And so even though the Jews had a very special um, deal with marriage, it was still polygamy, um, concubines, all sorts of things that were considered normal. And you read the Old Testament, some of the great heroes of the faith, you read the way they treated their women, and it's shocking. Uh, what changed? Jesus. And so now we have marriages where the men, the man and the woman, are viewed as equals together, and where the woman is respected and loved. Um, as I touched on before, he's changed the way we view health care. And his followers, you know, Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to us. He said, you know, I'm setting things in motion, but now it's up to you guys. I'm leaving. Um, and, you know, we, we, lo- we would have loved to have him here holding our hand each step of the way. But he said, no, you guys have it in you. I believe in you. I'm going to give you my spirit, the gift, and he will guide you. And through that guidance throughout time, we have um, Father Damien taking care of the lepers. He actually eventually succumbed to leprosy himself. Um, and basically the, just this idea, we are going to take care of the sick. They are not a burden. We will take care of them. We will heal them because Christ healed. Uh, this concept of humility. Never in human history was this concept or this idea of human history was never mentioned in history until Christ. as the very first mention of humility. It simply did not exist as a concept. Uh, to be humble was to be defeated. Uh, the weak or those who served, they were, they were to be lorded over. And Jesus said, no, the humble will rule. Uh, And he gave an example of that with his life. 
If you have power, it is meant to serve others. And it has so infected our thinking that today, you know, we, we actually dislike the proud. You know, we think um, the commentators at football games, you know, when somebody's showboating or something. I know it always drives Joe Buck nuts. Um, where did he get that idea? He got that idea from Christ. And it's a, whether he's a believer or not, he's been swimming in the soup long enough. It's affected his thinking. Uh, government, the idea of limited government. Um, the Roman Empire, the citizen was there as a vessel of the state to serve the state. There was no separation of uh, church and state. There was no separation of private life and state life. The government had complete say in your life and even over who you worshipped. Um, but when they asked Jesus, who should we pay taxes to? And he said, well, let me see the coin. Uh, it's Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. When, with just that simple answer, he established the framework for separation of church and state. And this idea that there are things that belong to man, there are things that belong to God. And God supersedes. God has a higher <laughs> calling on man than the state, uh, which affected European thinking and then affected our thinking. Um, education and language. Um, when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, people took him seriously. And they started saying, you know what? We need to educate people. We need to educate them. Most education was started. We need to teach people what Jesus said. And through that, more languages have been put into writing uh, from the verbal oral traditions. Um, because of the gospel than any other reason. And so the, language of, the languages of the world have been put in, into, uh, actually created by followers of Christ, people establishing his kingdom. Um, science, you look at Galileo, Newton, they were inspired by this idea that God created, um, you know, in John 1, where I say the word uh, created everything that exists. This idea that there was a rational God who created an orderly system. And they said, let's think God's thoughts after him. Let's discover what he was up to. Um, so that created science. Uh, the interior life. When Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said, do not uh, sleep with your neighbor's wife. But I'm telling you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. All of a sudden, Jesus took what everything, everything in their world was exterior, the surface, what I project. He said, no, God sees the interior. You guys pay attention to the outside, but from now on, I want you to pay attention to the inside, the interior life. That whole idea came from Christ. Art and beauty. Uh, there was an explosion of art and beauty after Christ. Um, people celebrating truth and beauty in art uh, through songs, poems, writings. You think of uh, uh, Les Miserables, one of the most beautiful stories ever. It was inspired by this idea of grace and love. Um, you look at the paintings, uh, the Impressionists, they were celebrating truth and beauty. And as, as we've gotten away from the teaching of Christ, you know, our art has deteriorated. Now we have urinals or um, things that any one of us could create in our sleep. Um, it passes for art now because as art has been divorced from truth and beauty, uh, from Christ's teaching, it suffers. This idea of grace, that we're treated uh, better than what we deserve. You know, each one of us, we know all the mistakes we've made in life. 
Uh, if you're like me, you carry those around uh, sometimes on an endless loop. You know, you're thinking about, I mean, I, I remember things I said in the eighth grade that I, I wish I never would have said. Um, I, I know how I've fallen. And yet, here's this man who offers me hope. He offers me forgiveness for every careless word I've ever uttered, uh, for every wrong deed I've done. Jesus said, God is love. He changed the way we view love. And as I mentioned before, at times, because we have a different definition of love than God's definition, um, it becomes very difficult to read the Gospels because we are, we're looking, over time, you know, we've let that image of love, um, at times the toughness of God's love, um, the toughness of true love, we, we've kind of pushed that to the side. And we... we Practice a brand of love that's very soft. Um, but Jesus constantly points us the way to true love, which, um, you know, as any great teacher, it's hard on their students. They grade them very, very uh, to a certain mark, hold them to a high standard. Those are the teachers that are successful. And yet those are the teachers, you know, that all the kids have a hard time with. But in the end, what did they produce? They produced the better result. Um, and so we, we have learned that about love uh, from God. And then finally, we've, the fear of death is gone. Jesus conquered death. He conquered the grave. And death is no longer, it, it is sad we mourn for those who have passed on. Um, but ultimately, death is a celebration and that we are moving on. Um, and I know when I die, I'll see my grandfather, who I haven't seen in a long time. It will be a celebration. And then Christ did that for us. And I want to leave you with uh, two final things. Uh, then this next picture, this is kind of how I picture what has happened um, throughout history. It was 2,000 years ago, there was a single blazing light that came into this dark earth. And over the last 2,000 years, his followers have helped to build his kingdom. And slowly, if you could picture in the spirit what's happened, it's kind of like looking at the earth from space at night. You know, there's these little outposts of light. And you see big clumps of them, you know, where they're starting to come together, where uh, followers of Christ have come together, meeting in churches, are um, working in hospitals, taking care of the sick and the poor. You see these little outposts of light. And throughout time, just as if we could view um, our earth from space and time lapse, you know, over the last 2,000 years, over time, more and more light grows. More and more centers of light start getting bigger and bigger and attracting more and more light. The light will overcome the darkness. Jesus gave us the keys of the kingdom. He said, go and do what I've done. And throughout history, men have taken that seriously, and they are changing the world. We are bringing Christ's kingdom to earth. And that's our prayer. Uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then lastly, um, from the, the Christmas song, um, let every heart prepare him room. I just want to encourage you guys to read the Gospels between now and Easter. Uh, participation with Christ is an active thing. Um, it is free, but it requires activity on our part. Um, and one way we can do that is by reading his words. And I just encourage all of us to read through the four Gospels between now and Easter. Um, and prepare, spend some time in silence. Try and 
have a time every day of silence and things like what happened um, on Friday in Connecticut will be ancient history. And we long for that day. Thank you.